0: Welcome, everyone, to the Asian Voices Radio podcast, where you'll find Asian-American conversations, including the topics you are too afraid to ask your Asian parents. I'm Sheena Yap Chan, and I'll be your host for today's show. And today we have not one, but two amazing guests today, and they are actress-filmmaker Georgina Tolentino, and historical consultant and scholar Alex Fabros. Welcome to the show, guys. Really excited to have you here. Maybe share a little bit about who you are and, you know, how you started your career.
1: Let's say that when you flunk out of college, all of a sudden you get all kinds of lemons, and so you spend the rest of your life trying to make lemonade out of it. Um, I ended up as a migrant field worker for a couple of years because I um, I just didn't like being in college. I experienced the strikes in Delano in 65. I uh, volunteered for the U.S. Marine Corps in 65. Also spent six years with the Marines sometime in Vietnam. Got out, bought a 30 foot sailboat, went sailing off to Hawaii and Tahiti. I always wanted to sail off into the sunset, got tired of paradise and came back to Hawaii. And then enlisted in the army and in 1992, I retired as an army officer. I thought I was gonna be retired, but I met this guy called professor Dan Gonzalez out of San Francisco state. And he offered me an opportunity to teach at San Francisco state. And you have to remember by this time, I didn't, I still didn't have a BA degree. So the uh, Dean said he'd keep me if I got a master's, which I completed in one year. And then on my way to completing that, I picked up a scholarship to go to UC Santa Barbara to study US history. And my fields of study were going to be Asian American labor history and global war and terrorism. Um I enjoyed teaching, enjoyed doing the research. And one of the best instructors I had was my father because He basically was a journalist in the 1930s in California, and he covered everything about the uh, Filipinos. And through him, I learned about the Watsonville riots, the Exeter riots, the labor strikes in California in the 1930s, the racial discrimination, everything. So he's basically my, my professor for about nine years, and then he passed away. But um, I'm basically happy being retired. And then all of a sudden I got this request. Uh, Mr. Fabros, can I ask you some questions? And a couple of months later, what you see is a product that Georgina and Randall put together, which I thought was pretty darn good. I'd give it an A plus if it was one of my classes.
0: Awesome. Georgina, would you love to hear a little bit more about you too and how you started as an actress and filmmaker? my story isn't as exciting as
2: Alex's, (laughs) but um, I was born and raised in San Francisco and I grew up always wanting to perform and I felt that it wasn't necessarily the most encouraged, but I also had a love for history. And so throughout high school, I would um, do little plays here and there and always take it as a side um, exploration, but not not oh something I would do as as a hobby, not necessarily as a career because... In my parents' perspective, it wasn't necessarily something uh, viable or that they saw. And when I went to actually UC Santa Barbara, um, I studied art history and history. And I just really always loved culture. And again, would always still do acting and and all of that on the side. But, um, you know, when my dad got sick in college, I, I, you know, I kind of realized, you know what? Life is short. And I don't want to live my life living someone else's dream. There's always something very different. Um, There's a different feeling that always comes out of me when I perform, when I explore. And I think that acting wasn't necessarily something I was naturally good at. It was something that I had to change about myself. I had to be more confident, basically, to be able to perform and learn different parts of myself, which I felt really um, drawn to, that it's not really that, oh, I'm playing someone else. I'm actually just exploring different parts of myself and I just ended up really loving um, being able to find that universal common thread within all of us constantly and, and making it work. And so when I moved to Los Angeles, I worked for a few production companies um, and then I got representation and I kind of saw the disparity between what I was studying in my, my acting studio. I was doing, Angels in America and plays and all this, but I was going out for roles that were a little uh, degrading and and ethnically specific. And I felt that it was part of my responsibility socially to be a part of the change rather than complain about it. I wanted to write. And so I started writing and and collaborating with other filmmakers who had the same mindset and kind of using film as a form of activism and social education. Um, And I, I felt that this story particularly was very interesting to me so about the the watsonville riots and um the central valley drama that was going on between tension between um filipino americans and american laborers so when i reached out to alex i felt that this was a very important story to tell and i had no idea of any of these really deep deep specific uh stories Um, a lot of it isn't necessarily public and um, it kind of just inspired me to just expand the story a bit more than and then what was really available to people. So here we are.
0: <laughs> awesome! Thanks for sharing that. And I know Georgina was on my podcast a while back. And you know, representation is always huge, right? And you mentioned the same thing. You were um, being casted as like those typical Asian uh, roles that really degrade us, and like you mentioned, if we want representation, we got to go out there and do it. And, you know, I'd love to know what the title of your short film is and kind of explain a little bit what it is about. Yeah. So I couldn't find a title for
2: a long time. And I remember the signs that would be, that was very disturbing to me, no dogs or Filipinos allowed. And there was several other signs that I've seen, no dogs, no Chinese, no Vietnamese, no blacks, no Hispanics. Um, and it always really kind of stuck in my mind. And so I kind of based it on that sign. And the short film is not really about that sign specifically, but it's, it's the short film is called No Dogs. And uh, spoiler alert, you don't see until the end, the full sign at the end. But I think what I really wanted to, uh, I really like titles of films that people don't know what it is until they watch the full thing. And I think it's very powerful. Uh, um and uh, because I, if I put no dogs, are Filipino's a lot. I mean, that's a very strange title, but I, I like the dot dot dot. And for me, um, that no dogs title felt stronger once we kind of set up the story uh within the short film, which is two people who are stuck in a diner during uh a, a true event. These are fictional characters, but the event is true about um, the Stockton Clubhouse, which was popular with, within Filipino men who were, were going to socialize and dance because um, a lot of the taxi halls were, were really whites only. So this is an opportunity for them for them to have fun, express themselves, dress up, be flashy, and uh, a lot of white women were working there and developed relationships with some of these men because a lot of these men would come here and uh, they, the women wouldn't migrate here unless you were married to a filipino man um, and so it, it bothered a lot of white men because first of all they're taking the jobs uh, and second of all it was um you know they, against their own prejudice of inter, interracial marriage and interracial relationships and children that were what was happening and so um i thought it was very fascinating when alex talked about these this group of people called the night riders that um caused a lot of terror within central Central Valley in Southern California, uh, and we're terrorizing a lot of uh, Asians and specifically Filipinos, because Filipinos were primarily the the migrant workers in the farms. Um, And I thought, what about these two people being stuck together in a diner and having to have a conversation, two people on opposite sides? Uh, And I like to do work that is similar to the zeitgeist today, but also has historical uh, foundations in the past and, and, and kind of again, a a way to find relatability to today from elements of the past. So that's why I thought this idea would be very interesting because it's very relevant today.
0: I love it. And I definitely have to check that short film out later on because, you know, a lot of people seem to think that Our community does not go through any form of racism, and that's only happening right now with Stop Asian Hate. But, you know, there has been deep-seated roots of racism in America and Canada, and it's just nobody talks about it. Um, And, you know, showing movies like this is very important to showcase, like, yes, this this did happen, and it didn't happen overnight. It's been going on for so long. So I'm really glad you were able to create this movie. Now, I'm just really curious, how did you two meet and connect and work on this project?
1: Georgina had put a call out for information on a specific topic. And I saw all these people replying back to her and said, you know, these guys are all lightweights. They're going to send her in the wrong direction. Uh, So I reached out and I said, "Um, what topic are you working on? If you're interested, contact me. And by the way, these are my bona fides. And I guess you check me out. And uh, she talked to me about her project. And I got a first draft and, you know, the professor in me just pops out and goes, "Mm." she missed all the lectures. Uh, She might've watched a movie, but she didn't get the gifts of the class. So this is a C minus paper. But by the time she and I got through working together, it was an A Um, plus. There's a lot of things that I was able to educate her about that she actually incorporated into the storyline which was really great, uh, which you see in 15 minutes, probably there's a good solid five minutes of good background history that it doesn't come out as a history lecture. It just comes out naturally between these two people talking about historical events foundation as why certain things happen. And at the same time, we also have the character um, explained who he is and what he does and where this feeling comes from and it comes from his father um he's good at doing something but you don't know it'd be difficult to say why he's good at it but he explains in about maybe 10 15 seconds then all of a sudden it all ties together where georgina uh puts it all together and figures out whoops this guy is not a nice guy after all
2: yeah, you know when i showed this to alex even at the time i just didn't um it was a bit of a disaster the the short i went what is this, this is a genre i don't even know it was very it didn't make sense um, but i thought i wanted two people stuck in a diner during this and a lot of it was i just didn't know a lot of the depth of the story a lot of it i was pulling from from books or public material online and that's the the issue is that a lot of it isn't publicly available uh, so when i actually sat down and talked with Alex, I was really just listening. And I was listening for, for a few sessions of our, of our phone calls, just listening about his life and, and the environment and understanding, okay, what can I pull that is going to be really meaningful within this, this short amount of time that can, um, really be relatable to a lot of people. Um, and I felt that people just aren't born Thinking one way, you know, they're just not born. Oh, I'm gonna, I hate this one group. It really is passed down. So it's not reporting some of these hate crimes. I think you know they were saying that a lot of these Asian hate crimes are not being reported um, because we're af- we're afraid and culturally we are uh, taught to be a bit more quiet and and not speak up. And a lot of the short film I felt wanted to show why we're that way as well, how we're conditioned and and the stakes that are in front of the filipino community which is why we have kind of chosen and and people before us uh, our generation to um blend in a little bit more yeah so i thought that would be a very interesting topic to cover and i really enjoyed speaking with alex and learning about our history more it kind of actually helped me understand why my family is the way they are and i think i think it'll help a lot of people bridge that gap between generations and um I just hope more people get to hear more of what Alex's stories are and, and his research and his life's work. And I think film is a really wonderful way to educate people in a very broad sense. I mean, the, the, the positive with these streaming platforms, and it's, it's uh, a lot of people have them. And a lot of people in the Midwest and, and other areas that maybe don't have people that look like us in their communities could watch these movies and get to know and relate and have compassion and understanding with other groups that, that may not be in there every day. And I think that's really what's powerful about art and cinema.
0: Thanks so much for sharing that. And I love it. And um, you know, I just wanted to know, like, how long did it take for you to take this idea and turn it into a film production? Uh, I know your, your director was also Filipino-American. Was he somebody you knew beforehand or you just kind of like reached out, kind of like when you reached out to Alex? like, What was the whole process like
2: I met Randall through a mutual friend, Jake Macabell, who is an actor in the Philippines. Uh, and we became really close friends for the past few years um, as colleagues and as artists. And then I knew Freddie I met Freddie Duarte, who was ended up being our director of photography for the short film, and also worked on a film with Randall with Jake called Monsters Without, which is also at the Asian, uh, LA Asian Film Festival premiering October 1st. And uh, Randall and I connected, all of us all connected on Zoom. And I I spoke about wanting to shoot something and it was at the point where the script wasn't all there yet, but we were determined to shape it through. And um, really the dynamic was Alex and I really focusing on getting the script to a better place. And Randall, you know, when we, it was very difficult because of COVID um, so we would actually rehearse in a park with Randall and the other actor, and we ended up deciding that we're going to treat this as a play. We're going to rehearse this as if this was a one act, one scene play. And, uh, so we, Ian and I actually would meet up on zoom or in person in the park with masks and rehearse. And uh, the day of the shoot, we just, we kind of just shot it. And, and, and Randall really took charge of our limited resources to really shoot. We, we only shot in one night, 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. And there was a shoot immediately after ours on, on the set that we were on, the, the studio set. So I transformed from actress-producer to PA grabbing everything and putting it in our car. And, and also art department. I was also, we were all hybrids. And uh, because of the limitation of COVID, we couldn't have that many people on set. The studio was two hours away. And so even makeup, I had to get my hair and makeup done before and then drive over. And, um, you know, we really made it work with the limited resources. Uh, RD Entertainment really, RD Media House really stepped up. Ryan Beaver and Daniel Burhain, um, they actually were able to help us with the equipment and um, filming that night, and they were all shooting and working another twelve-hour shift earlier that day. So we had been awake for twenty-four hours shooting the short film.
0: Um, so you mentioned that uh, your film is going to be in the Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival, part of the Gwentuhan program, which is premiering on October first. What was that like when you got, you know, the the notification or the announcement saying that it was be part of it? Or did you had to apply for that? Like, what was the process for that?
2: Uh, we, yes, we submitted. And I was very anxious, and we really wanted our premiere to be at the LA Asian Pacific Film Festival, and a lot of that was because of, you know, we shot this in March, and early March, we I had written this in the fall, and then actually got COVID in January, and when I was in quarantine, I I I actually polished it up, and then you know then I had to rest for that month, and then we I was determined we were determined to shoot it in March, and then the month after was. What was happening with all this Asian hate. And that's why it's so, I think it was more meaningful because a lot of emotions are coming up for all of us. You know, even our composer is Filipino American. Uh, She's half and uh, she's never really worked on a project like this, an Asian-based, Filipino American-based project. So it was very emotional for all of us to film something, but not realize the social relevance that it had. And so when we got the acceptance from it, I remember Randall texted me and I I got emotional because I think during the time that we had filmed it to get accepted, there was a lot more exploration of, I guess, honoring and and owning and loving my heritage more. And, And then I called Alex. And I think that was what was really meaningful to me was being able to share something that is Alex's life life research and work and to be able to collaborate and create a piece of art that's kind of both ours and to be able to share with him that we got in was really the most um, the most meaningful part I think of getting the news.
1: Yeah when she called me I was really uh, ecstatic because um, I've been in a lot of documentaries a lot of documentaries have been made based on my initial research, but I've never been credited for it. Um, Delena Monong's actually was based on a article I wrote in 2005 and we won a uh, a major Asian American Award for the uh, best historical article for that year. Uh, there's another one that's on the film circuit, uh, the Celine archives. It showed at the Asian Film Festival. But I wrote about that back in 1997. And it was actually that research project that got me my five-year fellowship at UC Santa Barbara. It fully paid for a PhD program. But uh, again, a lot of people have been using a lot of my research, but we never get credited back for it. And then Georgina, She says, "Um, would you like to work on this with me? And I figured, okay, well, uh, she's got a good project. She just needs a little help in putting together historical context so that her characters can interact naturally as though that they uh, knew all of this stuff to begin with. And she was able to incorporate that history into the dialogue between these two individuals, which I thought was... (laughs) Which I thought was really amazing that uh, she was able to do that, and then um, out of the blue she says, "Oh, by the way, uh, you're going to get credit as historical consultant." And then later, when I saw it, my my wife said, "You're a scriptwriter. Where's the check?" <laughs> I said, "Don't worry about it. It's in the mail." And so, uh, but anyway, it, it was enjoyable working with Georgina. This is the first time I've had a chance to really collaborate with someone that's, uh, that's done a project based on my work. And what I liked about working with Georgina was that I get these calls every once in a while from somebody who wants to make a movie or a film about Filipino American history. And they talk to me a couple of times and then they drop off the radar. I have no idea. Um, the Celine archives was supposed to been made into a play around 2010. Um, that dropped off the radar. So I figured, okay, well, this is going to be another project. Well, it's, it's fun working with her. It, It, it kills time. And then, um, out of the blue, she completes it, uh, from start to finish, this woman is very focused on what she wants to do and she pulls together, I thought it was really talented people. I love the soundtrack. Uh, It haunts me when I listen to it. And uh, I like the dialogue between these people because it's an educational dialogue. You don't realize it until you get drawn into the film that you're actually being educated. You have to see it a second or a third time to figure out, okay, I've just been educated into the basics of Filipino-American history, and I didn't know it. And Georgina was able to take our conversation and create this dialogue between two individuals. I mean, can you imagine what would happen if Georgina had this budget to make this, uh, to make a, let's say uh, a short series on Filipino American history and what she could do with it on one specific um, topic. It'd be a blockbuster, but again, you know, it's Hollywood. You need money to make things happen. And hopefully someone will, will take a look at the project that Georgina's put together and say, hey, There's potential here for a bigger story. And I hope someone picks it up because there is potential for a bigger story. And I think it'll explain a lot of the problems we're having uh, with hate between races. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the PBS documentary, um, Asian Americans. But if you look at episode four, it's basically uh, partly my life story, my parents' life story. And there's an incident in there when I'm about, I guess, five or six years old. Uh, the people didn't like us in that neighborhood. They they tried to force us out. Uh, we got firebombed. We had windows uh, broken. You know, rocks come in at 2 o'clock in the morning with uh, just telling us to get the heck out of the neighborhood. Um, they set our lawn on fire. They go to court, try to get us out of there, and then... Top it off, they've got a dog that's chasing me all over their neighborhood. My father decides, okay, well, I'll go talk to the neighbors and he takes that forty-five, a pistol. And he knocks on the door and he tells these people, hey, this fight's between you and me. Stop screwing around my family. And no one bothered us after he did that. So sometimes you have to be forceful. You have to step up and not say, hey, I, I, I'm afraid to, to do something to defend myself or my family uh i do it here a lot someone harasses my kids when they're growing up i went up there and i talked directly to their parents i said uh you know you're teaching your kids hate and my kids are, are really loving girls and so you, you really have to step up to and you actually have to confront uh racism right in its track it's it's uh it's not something that we can run away from it, it's you've got to go full blast into them and You know, at my age, I just basically like to watch young people go out there and try to create a better society. Yeah.
2: Well, what what, uh, Alex is talking about is um, a lot of, I think a lot of people were uncomfortable with me with a a gun um, in the film. And so I think a lot of it was, the backstory of that is that I find a gun before I enter the diner um on the scene now we had a lot of limitations with with we were filming so i don't know if it was very clear that i it wasn't walk, walking around with one in my purse and women at the time weren't necessarily trained to use that firearms or anything like that it was more of um just grabbing it because because when that fire happened when that bomb happened it was a bomb that set the fire off and people were fighting outside filipinos and other you know other people so it was very chaotic to escape and the backstory for my specific character was that since Filipino woman couldn't um, just immigrate here, you had to be married. She, she actually was. I gave. We decided to give her the backstory that she was a widow, and she. Um, what happens is, you know, usually back in the day, you were reliant on your your husband as the provider, uh, working in the fields. And so when you don't have that anymore, it's very difficult. So she was actually living above the clubhouse, which was also um, kind of like a recreational center, I believe, a community center. And it was converted into a dance hall at nighttime. And so uh, escaping that and then a fire, like I have nowhere else to go, really. That's really my backstory. So trying to maybe find something that might protect me uh, as I escape this, because as a a woman, you know, the stakes are very high running around at nighttime during a riot uh, of some sort. So I think when the reveal happens of the short film of this person not being who he says he is, or being someone that is completely part of a hate group. Now, the Knight Riders back in the day, I believe, Alex, they, they had maybe some sort of face coverings, right?
1: Sort of like our uh, bandanas today.
2: Yeah. And they're very different from the KKK, but they were more of a vigilante kind of, not vigilante, but a hate group. They were not were not as organized or as had like the membership cards or their ceremonies. They just we're terrorists. So um, when she's stuck in a diner with someone, she slowly, my character slowly finds out that he's part of this, this group. And so there's a moment where I do pull out a gun. And I think that the reason for that and writing that in is that the gun doesn't go off after explaining the backstory of losing my brother, losing my, my husband and kind of explaining the backstory of discovering that this guy is responsible for the death of my brother. Um, and, uh, and it was loosely based off of the character of Bermintabera. He did not have a sister, but we fictionalized that element to give the audience something to relate to. Because if he just was someone who meant nothing to nobody, then it wouldn't be as relatable, right? I wanted to give him a little bit of life. And so finding out that he was a part of that uh, was really symbolic in um,
0: standing up for yourself and kind of um, confronting hate. Thank you so much, Alex and Georgina, for sharing your story about Filipino-American history. It's definitely something I've learned as well. And, you know, I just really want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you
2: so much for having us, Sheena. It's always great to be interviewed by you and talk to you and it was an honor to work with alex so i hope that you all can check out nodogsfilm.com
0: for future screenings thank you to learn more about georgina's work please visit georginatolentino.com if you have any suggestions for future topics we'd love to hear from you also be sure to subscribe as well as follow us on facebook twitter and instagram please join us next week for another exciting and thought-provoking asian voices radio show Until next week, I'm Sheena Yap Chan. I'd like to thank you for listening. Take care. Until then, everyone.